This is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to helping engineers succeed in work and life. The show is hosted by engineering enthusiast Anthony Fasano and Chris Knutson. Both are professional engineers who found success early in their careers and now work together to help other engineers do the same. Now it's showtime. This is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, the show for engineers who want to succeed in both work and life. I'm Chris Knutson, your host for today's episode. I trust this finds you doing exceptional wherever you are and whatever engineering project you have to be working on. Well, in today's episode, I'm talking with a really good friend of mine, a fellow Michigan State Spartan. He's an author on generalleadership.com along with myself, and he's an extremely accomplished leader and leadership coach, none other than Croft Edwards. And in this episode, we tackle the age-old question of what is leadership, and then we move on to the discussing how developing leadership flow, and really flow, is so important to being part of a leader. He also defines for us ontological leadership, and I'm going to let Croft field that one for you. And we also get into the difference between manager and leader, which is another age-old dichotomy. It's one that I view as the difference between monitoring and controlling, so think project manager, and inspiring, guiding, and supporting We have a great conversation around all of this, all things leadership from an engineer perspective. I think you're going to really enjoy this show. And this episode is even more interesting if you want to have an opportunity to meet up with Croft. And you can meet up with Anthony and a whole host of other exceptional leaders and engineers. And you can do that at Engineering Career Summit 2016, which is going to take place 12 to 14 May in New Orleans. Now, Croft is going to be delivering a two-hour session on leadership. And trust me, It's not going to be a PowerPoint slide extravaganza. So there'll be no death by PowerPoint in this two-hour session. You're going to have an opportunity to interact with them. You're going to have an opportunity to be active and actually physically act out your leadership. So it's going to be an amazing session, and the Engineering Career Summit is going to be amazing in and of itself. So there's a lot in this two-day event for all aspiring engineers to take their leadership and career in engineering to a completely new level. So go over to engineeringevent.com today, reserve your ticket. All right, and I want to give you a quote related to today's topic, bring us into the show. This one comes from, appropriately enough, Don Flo. Seriously, Don Flo. And it is, leadership flows out of who we are, not just what we do. How appropriate that one is for this episode. Engineering your leadership to generate flow. With the one, the only, Croft Edwards. Now it's time for the main segment of our show. And for today's main segment, I'm joined by Croft Edwards. Since 2001, Croft has coached hundreds of individuals from leaders and executives to boots on the ground, team members in both private and public settings. Croft's passion is coaching clients to reach for leadership flow, which is a heightened state of being, which in turn produces peak performance at critical moments. His methodology has evolved over many years of leadership in the military and coaching business leaders and teams. And if you make the right decision to join us in New Orleans next month, you're going to have the opportunity to meet and work with Croft in person. Definitely something worth working out and checking out. And you can do that at engineeringevent.com. Croft, welcome to the show. Hey, great to be here, Chris. Yeah, I'm going to throw out there right now, put you in the spot, and just let everybody know that we, you and I had the opportunity to connect. It's been a number of months ago, and I'm going to tell you up front that it's, I'm very grateful for that because the discussions that we've had, the relationship that we've built – um, has been extremely beneficial for me. And I'm just, I'm very grateful, Croft. So thank you very much. And vice versa. Yeah. So no pressure, right? Yep. <laughs> so everyone who's listening today, you can find the show notes over at engineeringcareercoach.com. They're going to contain 
a summary of the key points that are going to be discussed as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books that are mentioned during the show today. And again, you can go over to engineeringcareercoach.com and find those listed there. So I'm going to start off here with literally the $64,000 question. I mean, this is the one that everybody goes in and they put this in the Google, they, they punch this one in and they come up with uh, 15 million different responses on it. And that is, what's your definition of leadership? Sure. So my background, I come from a discourse called ontological learning, which looks at what it means to be human. And so one of the ways we frame leadership is leadership is the authority granted to an individual by their followers. So it's only a follower can make me a leader. Compare that with management, which is the distinction that management is the authority granted to an individual by the organization. So if I'm a frontline supervisor, if I'm the CEO of a company, the company or the organization says, here's what you can do. And people follow because of the management authority. But for people to actually really follow you, they have to choose to. And if we all think about in our world, our lives, we're always aware when somebody pops on our radar, we say, that's somebody I want to follow. We may not consciously do it, but we start saying, yes, this is a person I want to be with because I see my future in a better place, whatever I define that, by that leader. And so that's how we look at leadership is not a it's not something you can be given. It's something that has to be earned. All right. So this is really, again, it's from looking at it from a followership standpoint, we're talking the leaders are having that authority granted to them by the followers versus managers, which has that authority granted to them by position or by, yep. by perhaps by hierarchy, which is interesting because in the engineering career realm, you know, there's a very large push for, I mean, you certainly don't typically see the term engineer leader associated with positions, you're going to see engineer manager. Right. You know, again, which is in that realm of you know, the hierarchy or the organization is looking for individuals or they're given in the authority to be out, go out and be a manager. But the, of course, this discussion that we're having today is we're talking about leadership. Yeah. So, or what kind of advice might you give to someone who's been, hey, you know, hey, let's they say, hey, Chris, we're going to put you in this engineering management position. And I'm really looking at this from saying, well, I, I kind of generally know that there's more to this than just making sure that Everybody shows up on time and I have these performance metrics that I'm managing. How can I, what kind of advice must you give to me as a, uh, somebody who's been put in this injury management position to shift my mindset to a leadership position? Well, and that's, if you look, if you take a typical engineer, and I, I tend to, for some reason, I've coached a lot of engineers. The average engineer, if you look at a four-year undergraduate degree, probably has zero classes on leadership. And so the biggest place to start is it's no different than what I'm doing as an engineer. I have to start and learn a skill. Leadership is a skill that can be practiced, that can be learned. But if I don't know where to start, if I don't have a place to learn how to do that, then I'm likely going to just be falling back on the skills I have. So really, it's no different than being an engineer. It's I've got to go out and start learning how to be a leader. Yeah, absolutely. You bring up a really good point. I mean, I just I look back to my engineering undergraduate work, and, and you're right. I mean, there was no – I certainly didn't take a course on engineering leadership. I was exceptionally fortunate, and uh, we'll throw this out there for the listening public, that Croft and I are both graduates of the Michigan State University. Go Spartans. That's right. Sparty on. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, he and I both had 
the opportunity for me as an engineering undergraduate, I had the opportunity through uh, ROTC, Reserve Officer Training Course, to get some of that leadership, uh, you know, very basic leadership uh, fundamentals thrown at me. Yeah. Certainly didn't through my engineering curriculum. And, and most engineers that are out there, as you pointed out, Croft, really don't, and they lack that part. But what I like, a, go ahead. Yeah, and even if, Chris, even if you look at, say, an MBA program, most MBA programs may have one or two leadership courses. So the rest is more technical stuff. It's accounting, it's finance. So yeah, that's a challenge with the academic side of learning is there's very, generally, there's very little emphasis placed on leadership. You know, it's, it, well, it's really interesting you also bring that piece up because I have an MBA as well. And, and interestingly enough, my MPA program didn't include any leadership aspects at all. It was management. Yeah. yeah. How do you manage people? Management of resources. And I now teach graduate level project management courses. And again, everything is on monitoring and controlling. Yeah. Well, and it almost, and that's a, you're, we're kind of on to a very, powerful breakdown is think back in your life when you like to be managed or controlled. And so unfortunately, we tend to view the the human side as a system that can be controlled like a machine. And that is one of the biggest challenges in leadership is that every person is fundamentally a human first. And we have needs, we have cares, we have issues. And so many quote unquote, leaders in organizations think, oh, okay, I'm just going to manage this issue. And you can't. People have to be led. And that's where a lot of the kind of the search for leadership flow has come from is this breakdown of, oh, I can just manage people. And, you know, I personally have never liked being managed or controlled. I don't think anyone does. And, and so yeah. I just wrote this note down. So let me, let me throw this at you because this is an interesting way to maybe unpack this is you know, we, we have on the management side, we have monitoring and controlling, mm-hmm. which is, I think, for a lot of engineers, whether they've gone through an MBA or they're a project manager. I mean, they're essentially, we're going to get to this point where we all are looking at the monitoring and controlling portion. Monitoring and controlling, which in my mindset equals management, mm-hmm. versus inspiring, guiding, and supporting. Yeah. Which would be leadership. Well, and there is a common thread, though, in where... We do a lot of research and and where I do a lot of my work is to either manage or control or inspire. The fundamental tool we use as leaders is a conversation, but it's how we have conversations and conversations are more than just words, right? It's the mood and emotion behind what I'm saying. Because if if I'm having a conversation with you, Chris, on your lack of performance and you need to step it up. That's a different conversation than if I show empathy. If I have a conversation with Chris, what's going on? How can I help you to perform, to excel, that kind of stuff? So, yeah, that, there, there's a huge breakdown, and the, the way we deal with it is fundamentally the same medium, which is our conversations. No, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> As I'm sitting here thinking about this, you're absolutely right, because I'm immediately thinking about different experiences that I've had throughout my career where I've had – I've had conversations with leaders that I've worked for that have, have been in these two different realms and, yeah. and they've been completely different, different, different well, um, conversations, have different connotations, different outcomes, and for myself, different emotional inputs into those. And, and a simple way to look at it is one of the conversations led to your compliance. 
you did it because you had to. The other one likely led to commitment. You did it because you wanted to. And that is at the core of how we explore leadership is how do I create in that other person the desire to want to do it, to be committed, right? I work a lot with safety people, and one of the questions I'll ask them is, do you want your people 100% compliant to safety or 100% committed to safety? Because they're going to produce very different results. And I want people that are committed to safety because that's where people go the extra mile. That's where people do what isn't required. They do what is right, that kind of stuff, which is, again, that's leadership. Yeah, that you're right. And it's almost like the, you know, that discussion between doing something because you, you feel that you have to do it versus it doing it because you're passionate about doing yeah. it because it's something you want to do. Well, and at, at the root of leadership flow is that passion. Right? When somebody is committed, engaged, and bought into something, they're a far different employee, team member, whatever we want to call them, because they're committed to the success of the team, the organization, whatever the endeavor is. Absolutely. And this is probably a good point for us to maybe move into a different segment here in a different area, which we've already begun to touch on. And you've brought up a couple different times in the discussion here, and I expect that you would. And so I'm going to ask this question now, which is, you know, a lot of people have certainly heard of being in the zone. And some of them have heard uh, perhaps even of the theory of flow. And I would <laughs> would attempt to uh, actually pronounce the gentleman's name, but I'm not going to. You may actually know him. I'll do it about. for you. Yeah. I'll let you do it for me because I've, I've actually had to watch a couple different uh, YouTube videos to try to memorize it. And it yeah. still hasn't locked for me. So we've got people have definitely heard of being in the zone. Some of us have heard of the theory of flow. I've actually read the book, which is going to be one of the books that we're going to link up here as soon as Croft states the, the gentleman's name. <laughs> what does that mean? And why is it important to find this space, which is, is either being in the zone or being in flow when it comes to the work that we're doing and the work that we pass, or importantly, the work that we pass to those that are working for us, our followers and employees? Yeah, so the actually the theory of flow goes way back to 1880s and peak performance. But in the 70s, University of Chicago researcher named Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, and there'll be a test on this later. Absolutely. <laughs> he was doing fundamentally what he and his team were doing was a study on happiness. And they were trying to figure out what makes people happy. And it was kind of the meaning of life type study. And what they found through this research was these people who they assessed these people are living the good life. They're happy. They have meaning, blah, blah, blah. They're in, they created this state called flow. And it didn't matter whether they were a rice farmer, an elite athlete, a lawyer, a housemaker, or a homemaker, whatever the case may be. All across the spectrum, they just studied and said, who had meaning in their life? And they determined that these people described these flowy states. So they started looking at this thing called flow. And so through various researchers, but where it's really kind of come to the forefront now is in elite athletes and extreme athletes because of in many reasons, but things like the GoPro camera and all that stuff, we're seeing elite athletes do things now that literally seem impossible. And all you have to do is look on YouTube to see surfers riding 80-foot waves. And you'll see the skiers doing the you know quadruple axle or whatever the jump may be. But what they're finding is in that moment, when those people are in, in that flow state, time slows down. 
they're at their best. Their body is at one with whatever the machine is, the, the surfboard, the golf club, whatever, right? We've all been in flow. It's that state where everything just like slows down and it becomes effortless. Time standstills. We lose track of time. We lose track of our ego. We can even lose track of our bodily functions, right? So you've been so into something where you realize, God, I'm hungry. And it's been four hours since you're doing it, but it's fun. It's creative. It's all those things. So that's the state of flow. And Csikszentmihalyi was followed by a guy, uh, Stephen Kotler, who wrote an amazing book called The Rise of Superman. It came out a couple years ago, but looks at extreme athletes. So that's where this the flow. And when I started getting introduced to it, I realized I'm a flow junkie myself. I'm a marathoner. I do woodworking. I've got tons of things that really inspire me. And when I'm in my wood shop or I'm on a long run, it's like I forget about things. So it made me start thinking about, well, how, what if as a leader we could start tapping flow? Because isn't that what leaders are trying to do is bring out the best in each individual so that they're so in flow that I'm getting their creativity. I'm getting their involvement, their passion, and their engagement. And so that's kind of how this all started to unfold. That's exceptional. I've had the opportunity to read both of these books. Mihai Csikszentmihalyi's book, Csikszentmihalyi's book of Csikszentmihalyi. There we go. Csikszentmihalyi. Flow and then uh, Rise of Superman. We'll have links for both of those books to go and jump into. The first one that I read was Flow. It's an exceptional book and it's uh, it's actually a relatively good ease or good read given the fact that it's a, in psychology, which for engineers may be a, a bit of a stretch, but it's it's worth going through because you know, as we talk through this, I think, you know, a lot of conversations I've had with really with all engineers that I've had the kind of this conversation with where we've come back and talked about areas or points in their life or their profession where they have really lost themselves. Most people, and I'll, I'll ask this, I'll be interested to hear what comment is and see if you have the same response because you've been in this arena way longer than I have. But most individuals understand what flow is for them. They've had, they've experienced yeah. it at some point in their life. Have you found that in the conversations you've had? Yeah. And that's usually where, if we're honest with ourselves, that's where we want to be anyway, right? So I'm going to find a career that creates that passion, that energy. And I coach a lot of individuals that it's interesting in a coaching conversation, I'll ask them, what do you really want to do? And they'll kind of lower their voice and lean in and they'll say, I want to do X, whatever X is that's actually where they're going to find flow. And so my usually one of my questions to them is what's stopping you? Because imagine if I had on my in my organization people that wanted to truly be there or that they loved what they did and they could also love another passion in their life whether it be I had a client one time that loved his job but he wanted to be a high school football coach. But his boss wouldn't allow him to do both. And so he ended up leaving the company because he couldn't find flow at work and not football. So that's that kind of thing, that place of how do we help people find that flow, access that flow in something they truly love. And yeah, we've all been in jobs that we hated. And how long did we last there? Generally not very long. Either we took ourselves out or the organization took us out and we found a place where we find more flow. Absolutely. And I like, Croft, that you brought up that the example of the one client you worked with who was trying to, you know, trying to figure out how to work, you know, the high school football component into that because it's some people could look at that and say, well, that was a hobby. 
I look at that as an opportunity for him to to, uh, to teach and to support future leaders through the coaching that he's doing. But even beyond that was this aspect of that you can have a job, which can also be fulfilling professionally, but there can be other components within your life that you don't achieve fulfillment in through your your day job, if you want to call it that, so that you go out and you find these other areas that you can move into to be able to provide a portfolio of activities that ultimately bring you flow. It doesn't have to be just one thing. Yeah. And it's no, and then actually the term flow begets flow kind of thing. So I being a runner, if I'm doing something with work that I'm just, I'm hitting a wall and there's actually a flow cycle that we may talk about. But if I hit a wall, one of the things I sometimes will do is just stop what I'm doing and go for a run. And on the run, what I'll find is that I lose myself in the run and then all of a sudden I kind of wake up like, oh my God, here's the answer to the problem I was wrestling with before. So finding flow is actually what we as humans are hardwired to do because in flow, our bodies release all the chemicals that junkies in a sense are searching for, right? If you look at cocaine, cocaine simply releases dopamine into our system. So we have this high from the dopamine because cocaine releases it in the system and doesn't allow the body to absorb it back. So when people that use cocaine, they just have the body's drug in them. So what they find with people who are flow addicts or flow junkies is they don't need the drug. They just need their surfboard. They need their bike. They need their running. They need their work to get flow so that now I show up and my body's producing all these chemicals, which give me a heightened state of awareness, heightened creativity, heightened focus, all those skills necessary to succeed in our job. That's, that's, that's a really interesting way of unpacking that. And so I think at this point, it's a good opportunity for us to move into talking about flow. What is leadership flow? Yeah, so leadership flow started as I started kind of to explore this, and I found that I When I'd go to organizations, I was asking fundamentally four questions a lot of times, or I was making four statements. And so that kind of evolved into the leadership flow methodology. And at its core is the premise of self-mastery. So take a leader, any leader. If I take Pope Francis and I put him in charge of a different organization, it's going to create different results because of the leader he is, how he shows up, how he uses language how he manages his moods and emotions, how they show up in his body. So how that leader shows up determines what is possible. So the place we start is self-mastery. Then we look at visioning the future. And what, what we explore is not so much, hey, we want you know sales to be 15% a year from now, but rather, how do we want people to treat one another? What are the conversations we want to have? How do we want to show up? How do I want people engaged, right? So if I get clear on, I want people to show up to work excited, committed. That's the vision we've got to start working for. From there, the next step is to cultivate other leaders and teams because the leader has two fundamental challenges. One is to create a vision of the future that others want to follow. And the second is to create more leaders and teams. So once I get this clear vision and I've got people on my team. Now my goal is to unleash their potential and to get them committed, them to be on the team, focused, bringing their best. And then finally, that leads to elevating culture and expanding capacity. So now if we do those things, the capacity of the team goes through the roof. And so that's the premise behind 
leadership flow is how do I create a high-performing organization, in a sense, an organization in flow through leadership. That's exceptional. I think through my uh, military career, it was always, we were always, I was really mentored to pay it forward. And I don't know if that was terminology that you heard, you know, through your service time as well, but it was this concept of you were, you know, we were each developed and supported in different ways. And it was kind of the, really the concept was to pay what we earned, what we developed and the investment that was made in us, pay that forward into the next group to be able to develop them as leaders and develop them as a, is the folks that we're going to be able to take things forward for us. And I think it's a pretty impressive way of looking at things because it's very easy to get locked into this concept of just focusing on oneself and not thinking about the others that are around us. Even when we're in these leadership roles where we, again, we get stuck back into this managed, you know, monitoring and controlling mentality versus this inspiring, guiding and supporting mentality, which would uh, potentially then lead us or, you know, lead us to be able to lead others yeah. And towards this vision of success. It's very good. Well, and I make the, the distinction that I think one of the most fundamental breakdowns we have in leadership is that we're missing the point. The, the goal of leadership is not to produce results. The goal of leadership is to unleash flow in our team. That's a key point, Croft. Yeah. Again, that gets us back into that monitoring and controlling mentality. I really like the way that you unpack that because I really – you know, I've thought a lot about leadership myself, and I, that to me right there was a really key moment because I've been really yeah. thinking about it. From a, it's a monitoring and controlling is what we're doing to management, but you're right. From a leadership standpoint, completely different, totally different. Yeah, and if you think about it, right, if I'm committed to the success of the team, I'm not going to put my needs ahead of everybody else's. Now, I still have needs, and I'm not going to make them necessarily secondary, but I'm going to be committed to how do I hold my care, my personal family values, all those things in alignment with the team care. And the best way to do that is you want me as a team member at my absolute best. You don't want me going, God, I hate this job or gosh, my boss is a jerk. You want me going, I am the luckiest guy in this team or the luckiest gal on this team because this is the only place I want to be. I'm committed to this team. and I'm committed to my family, and I can have both. And so really the, the power of flow is that it allows us, instead of doing this or that, it allows us to do this and that because it brings out the best in individuals. That's exceptional. And I think that may be the tweetable quote we need to put with leadership flow is that it's not this or that. It, you're putting your, as a leader, you're developing in a framework where everyone can look at it and go, I can do this and that. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it. When I'm if I'm truly committed and I'm part of a team that there is this unleashing of flow, everybody's winning. Everybody's can't wait to get up in the morning to get to work and can't wait to get home. And then how do I balance those things? So you don't have to worry about whether I'm clocking in or not. I'm committed to my job. So it doesn't matter if I have a clock or not, because I'm going to do what I need to do to help us as a team succeed. That's exceptional. So everyone that's listening, I'm actually going to do a foot stomp because this is something I would do in uh, in one of the uh, one of the courses that I instruct for project management, and that is in this particular case, leadership flow. It's about generating this and that. If you're a leader, versus this or that, and that's an exceptional way to be able to try to frame that. So I want to maybe shift things here for a moment because we haven't touched on this terminology, but I know that it's one that come up in conversations that we've had before. 
and because I know where this is going to go, and I think it's important to maybe share this with everyone that's, that's listening, is can you explain for everyone what generative leadership is? What does that look like? Sure. So it goes back to it's an emerging discourse on leadership, but fundamentally, there some very bright minds that I'm lucky to be a student of have kind of looked at, okay, so what does it mean to be to me human? And could we break leadership down? Because if you go most leadership theory, leaders lead with integrity, they're honest, all that stuff. But can you see, do, and feel that? So generative leadership and ontological leadership looks at, can I actually see the actual behaviors? And then can I learn them and practice them? And, and our belief is you can. So what we're looking at is what it means to be human. So we're linguistic beings. We use language. We create our worlds in language. And how effectively I use language determines how effectively things happen. If I make an effective request, I'm going to get the results I want. If I make an ineffective request, I won't. So we're linguistic beings. We're emotional beings. Unfortunately, in most organizations, emotions are seen as a negative, and yet it's the emotions that as humans, this ties us to flow. This is the birthright of a human is to have emotions. And so it's not discounting emotions. It's learning what is causing these emotions and how to deal with these and how to create more of the positive emotions. We look at the body. We all have a body. We are not brains on a stick. And bodies determine what is possible. Right. If I want to have an open conversation, but my body tenses up every time we're going to have an open conversation, I can't have an open conversation. Then we also look at what we call our historical discourse, which is all the history that makes me, me, it makes Chris, Chris, and then our practices. So if we want to show up as a different leader, we've got to practice different use of language, different use and our understanding of emotions and different use of the body. And so it's this discourse where we explore how do people show up and if they want to create a different outcome, then they, and this goes back to the self-mastery, I've got to recreate, morph, grow, whatever we want to call it, how I'm showing up. So to have an effective conversation, I have to get good at practicing effective conversations. Which is interesting because especially if we start talking with about engineers, a subset as <laughs> a, a subset of people, very exceptional subset, if I will, if I, That's if I right. say. Um, I'm but, married to one, so yes. <laughs> so, so an absolutely exceptional subset of people. Yes. But, but, but emotions and conversations are typically not, are not terms that get bantered around a lot. I mean, as an engineer and, and from my own experience growing up through engineering, you know, through different engineering organizations, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of hey, we should uncover our emotions. Let's have a conversation around this. It was really quickly moved back into the monitoring and controlling realm. So if we look at this from a, you know, from a generative leadership perspective, and we know that engineers by and large operate in this very procedural process-oriented, black and white, show me the results, monitor and control type of a world mindset, how might we be able to merge the two of those together where we can take the best of both and move it forward? Well, one of the things, and I see this quite frequently, you know, there's kind of the archetype of the true, if I offend people, my apologies, but the nerdy engineer, 
right? And there's a perception at times that maybe engineers don't have the best people skills. But one of the things that you'll see is that those engineers, I can be a brilliant engineer, but if I can't have an effective conversation with my team about here's my vision for what we're building or here's what, how we have to coordinate action to get this result, it doesn't matter how brilliant I am as an engineer because the most fundamental skill I have as an engineer, right? If, if I was to watch from a distance an engineer at work, what I would fundamentally see is they're having conversations, right? Yeah, there's the individual work, but I'm actually having the conversation with the problem there. But it's, I come up with my engineering work. Now I got to go have conversations with my team members. And so this is critical. And it is, part of it is that academic background, right? We stress and our school systems tend to reward the brilliance of the brain. But um, things like emotional intelligence are starting to come to the forefront. We're starting to realize that there is zero correlation between success and one's GPA and define success however you want. And there is a strong correlation between success and emotional intelligence. So these are things that we're going to have to have as an engineer. At the end of the day, I don't work in a vacuum. I work with other people. I coordinate action with other people. And my ability to effectively coordinate action is going to determine how successful I am as an engineer. That's a very, very good way of putting that. So, so as we're talking about you know, the concept of putting leadership into practice, because you've been working with a lot of different organizations over a number of years, well over a decade on this. Yeah. Would you be able to share with us maybe a case study from some of the leadership coaching that you've done with either an individual or a team? Yeah. Is you know, applying some of the principles and the concepts you've explained during this interview and this conversation about what were some of the problems, maybe the solutions, maybe even the methodology that you used to get everyone back on a, on a vector of success? Yes. Yeah, so one of my favorite clients was a manufacturing organization, but this, it was a really great place for a case study. And I wish we had kind of thought this through when we first started, but because of various reasons, the organization got split literally right down the middle. So there was two production sides and fundamentally the same team. One of the sides was led by the old school kind of leader. And I use the term leader very loosely, but it was an old school manager that grew up in this industry. And this industry was very rough and tumble and a very manly, lots of cussing, treating people kind of like dirt at times. And the other side of the organization was taken over by a gentleman who had grown up in a different organization. And he just came from a place with different values. And it was fundamentally, at the beginning of the day, you treat people with respect. And so leadership flow, if you look at it, it's not overly complicated. It's treat people with respect. It's listen to people. And I used to go to the morning meetings and the first side, the leader or the manager would show up and you could just tell people weren't engaged. They had this mentality of give me aid in the gate. And then the other side, it was a conversation every morning. And at the end of the, this leader would have conversations about, here's my expectation. We're going to be safe. We're going to do the right thing. We're going to care about people. And what was interesting was after he took over very quickly, I could tell which side of the organization I was on simply because the conversations were different on both sides. So the first side, they were condescending, treating people very little respect, and the organization was less productive. It was more dirty, more disorganized. The other side, 
cleaner, more organized, higher safety, higher productivity. And it was because of the conversations. And they were open to different conversations. So that's what we worked on with both sides. And I'd like to say that we were completely successful. But the one side, the second side, we were far more successful, not because of what we did, but because the leader modeled the behaviors he wanted to see. And the first side, the leader or the manager got the behaviors that he created through his negative actions. So it's really, we can almost put this in an equation. It's kind of like the conversation is directly proportional to the leadership, leadership flow, leadership skill that is put in place by the individual who has the label of being the leader. Well, yeah, think about it. We've all been in a meeting where a leader caused in me when I was leaving that meeting to be cursing under my breath or saying to heck with him or her, right? And we've all walked out of meetings going, man, I'm on board. I'm game. I can't wait to do this. And it was all because of the leader created a space for conversations and the quality of those conversations, which includes the moods and emotions and somatically, somatic meaning in the body, how people showed up. And when people showed up and there was powerful conversations, guess what? We're closer to flow. And that's where we really focus is how do we create the conversations to create flow? Because when you left that meeting, a lot of the success was already determined by how you looked at the problem. Because in the first case, you said, to heck with this. That person just got compliance. The second meeting, the person probably got commitment because you felt heard. You felt your cares were taken care of, that kind of stuff. Okay, I understand that. So everyone that's listening to this, it's, we're really talking about you to move, you know, to move your organization, to move your leadership to the area or the realm that you want it to be, and it's generating conversations. It's really what are the actions you need to take to be able to generate the conversations from your followers, from your team, that are the ones that are positive. Yeah, that are the ones that are focused towards the organization's obje- the organization's objectives, its goals that are positive in nature versus, as you've mentioned, crofted these negative ones with, with connotations that aren't necessarily moving the organization forward. Yeah, and this is the goal of a leader. And if I can have these conversations, I can create a whole thing. But remember, conversations are more than just words. They're moods and emotions. They're the body. If I want a conversation where people are open and committed, I as a leader have to show up open and committed. One of my favorite situations is I've seen leaders say something effective. I don't know why nobody comes by my office. I have an open-door policy, and it's very simple. You don't have an open-door policy. You have an open door, but you don't have an open-door policy because if I come in and give you feedback, I know what's going to happen. You're going to beat me up one side and down the other. Yeah, that's called a glass door policy or a screen door policy, which I've I've heard before. So, Yeah. yeah, good point. Definitely a good point. So, Croft, you're, you're going to be joining Anthony in New Orleans uh, here next month for the Engineering Career Summit 2016. So I'm going to – this is a little bit of a spoiler here, but but I'm going to ask you, can you share with everyone who's listening maybe a peek under the tent what they can expect during the uh, keynote session? Yeah, we're going to do a couple things. We're going to kind of explore and unfold leadership flow, kind of get deeper into it, the methodology, how it works, that kind of stuff. And then the latter part of what we're going to do is we're going to actually practice leadership. So I won't give away too much, but what we'll do is explore in each person 
whether you realize it or not, you're already showing up in some manner. And we're going to explore that to create some awareness maybe of, oh, wow, I didn't realize this, but I'm already limiting stuff and I'm opening up stuff by how I show up. So we're going to actually, to use a term that I use from my discourse, we're going to get on the mat. So we're going to actually practice leadership and not just sit in a chair and talk about it. We're going to get out of our heads and explore leadership. It's going to be awesome. I mean, I'll just throw it right now. I know from the experiences and the education that I've had around leadership that you're absolutely right. The way that you, the way that an individual walks into the room, carries themselves in just their personal demeanor, almost, I mean, almost immediately it spells about 80% of the entire leadership conversation right there. So that's going to be exceptional. And uh, definitely yeah. everyone, I'm looking forward to hearing how this, uh, how it unfolds. So it's going to be a great, 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 great session on Saturday. So, Croft, where, where can people go to learn more about the work that, that you're doing? Well, I'm pretty active on the internet world and social media. My website is croftandcompany.com, C-R-O-F-T-A-N-D-C-O-M-P-A-N-Y.com. Follow me on Twitter at Croft Edwards. I'm also on LinkedIn, LinkedIn slash in slash Croft Edwards. But if you go on Twitter, just do hashtag leadership flow and join the conversation and we'd love to have you. And uh Definitely reach out to me if you've heard this. Direct message me on Twitter and let's have a conversation. All right. And for everyone that's listening, we will have links to all of uh, all of Croft's uh, all of Croft's websites, his Twitter account, everything. You'll be able to reach out, get in touch with him. Highly recommend you do so if anything you've heard today on what you're listening to is uh, resonated with you. So all right, Croft's going to stick with us. He's going to stay with us for the uh, Take Action Today segment of the show, where he's going to provide some actionable advice that you can pack into your toolkit and move out with immediately. We'll be back in just a moment. Now it's time for our Take Action Today segment of the show. And today, Croft is going to share an actionable piece of advice you can implement right away to get yourself into leadership flow. But before he does this, I want to take a moment to remind you all that the Engineering Career Summit 2016 tickets can be reserved at engineeringevent.com. Now, there's certainly plenty of conferences to attend, but are any of them designed with you in mind? I mean, the vast majority of engineer-related conferences are not designed to solve the challenges you face in your career and life, but the Engineering Career Summit is. Now, in its fourth year, this year's summit is 12 to 14 May in New Orleans. What an amazing location. And you can grab your ticket at engineeringevent.com. We're looking forward to seeing you there. All right, Croft, what's one piece of advice you can share with our audience, regardless of where they are in their official leadership capacity? So, you know, it doesn't matter if they're responsible for just themselves, they're a project leader, project manager, firm partner, owner, it doesn't matter, that can help them develop leadership flow and allow them to lead with confidence. Yeah, so this may be a shocker to everybody, but I'm going to teach you to do something or challenge you to do something you've been doing if you've been alive for 47 years, you've been doing it for 47 years. But that is breathe. And research into flow is creating some interesting things. But if you think about that moment where Michael Jordan takes the shot or Steph Curry takes a shot or the surfers in, the, in flow in, in the big wave, what the research is showing is that in that moment, those people's breath is very low and methodical and relaxed. Because the body's in the ultimate state. Most of us, if we were in that situation, what do we do? <gasps> we take a gasp. We freeze, right? 
So the leadership move and the leadership practice, the most fundamental leadership practice is to learn how to breathe, but practice learning how to breathe in the situations. So where in the moment, in the heated conversation, in the, the key meeting, I'm breathing as I normally do. That's how we create flow. That's awesome. Prof, thank you very much. And for everyone that's listening today, I really hope you enjoyed the episode. We'd love to hear your feedback, comments, questions, whatever you want to throw at us. Go to engineeringcareercoach.com and either search for this episode and leave a question in the comments section or visit the Ask Us tab on the website. Anthony and I monitor all the comments. We're going to respond if you leave us one. And until next time, please continue to engineer your own success. Thank you for listening to the Engineering Career Coach podcast. Be sure to visit engineeringcareercoach.com where you can find all past episodes and also download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also to help develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.